everyone. Thanks so much for tuning back in to another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I am your host, Becky Easton. So last week, I took you through um, a portion of a story about Sarah and Carlos. It was an excerpt from the best-selling book by nationally recognized lawyer for parents and my mentor, Alexis Martin Neely. And this is a book that enables you to get the crucial legal lowdown that you need to protect your kids, discover how to pass on what really matters most, no matter how much money you have, and also to know for sure that you've done right by the people you love. The book is designed in an easy-to-read, choose-your-own-adventure style book. So when I was reading um, the story of Sarah and Carlos to you last week, we kind of chose all of the bad options, you know, no planning, no forethought, anything like that. And so I wanted to take us through today and make some, excuse me, make some different decisions for them. What would it look like if they had had some thoughtful planning in place? So to recap the, um, the story for people who are just joining us and um, to refresh your memory from last week, um, you and your spouse have created an amazing life together. You have a son, Carlos, that you are absolutely in love with and of course suspect that he is a genius. Um, he just cannot stand when you leave. He needs you and loves helping you. And when your daughter Sarah was born, your love for Carlos grew exponentially because he called Sarah his baby and worried when she cried. You worried while you were pregnant with her that you might not be able to love her as much as you loved Carlos, but your heart has expanded exponentially. You are fortunate to work from home and your children are your first priority. So you sometimes have difficulty finding time to work, especially with those constant interruptions. So you and your spouse look for someone to help with childcare and household errands. You find a young woman named Courtney, who is absolutely wonderful, plays games with your children, rarely loses her temper and teaches Carlos and Sarah to speak Spanish. So one morning, you have a three-hour meeting with a client. When you arrive at the client's office, you learn that the meeting has been postponed, but no one bothered to notify you. So instead, you go to the gym and uh, make a mental note to try calling Courtney, because when you first call, you get a busy signal. So you decide that you know, she's responsible while you'll be in the gym, everything will be fine. But while jogging on the treadmill, you have, you are worrying about your kids and the unexpected happens. There's an aneurysm that's been lurking in your brain, dormant for years, and it explodes. So the doctors later explained that it had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you were working out. It was just a time bomb waiting to go off. Unfortunately, because it happened while you were at the gym and no one knew where you were, all of your stuff and your phone were in an anonymous locker, your cell phone was turned off, and your car was basically a needle in a haystack in the gym's parking lot. The gym called 911 immediately, 
but no one knew how to call Courtney because you didn't have any ID on you. And by the time paramedics arrive, you're gone. And when you don't return home by three o'clock, Courtney calls your cell phone, but goes straight to voicemail. And she just figures the meeting went a little long. Things happen. Two hours later, she starts panicking and starts calling all over the place. Starts calling your client, discover that the meeting was canceled. Tries calling your spouse, but your spouse happened to be out of town that week. None of them have seen or heard from you. <clears throat> she calls local hospitals and no one has any information or can give her any information because she's not a relative. So the first question in our choose your own adventure came with, does Courtney call the police or does she call someone else? Last time we had Courtney call the police when she was panicked, but this time we're going to have her call someone else. So you and your spouse have been thorough. When Carlos was born, you prepared a comprehensive kids protection plan which provides instructions to your children's babysitters, daycare providers, teachers, and school administrators, detailing the people to call in the event of an emergency. By providing these instructions, Carlos and Sarah's caretakers, including Courtney, know not to call the police until your children are safely in the hands of someone who has clear authority to care for them in the event of your absence. The first names on your list are your neighbors, Gustavo and Patricia Garcia. Patsy and Gus have two children who are friends with Carlos and Sarah. And in fact, your children often have sleepovers with the Garcia's children, Travis and Sherry. Although the Garcia's are at the park, Courtney has their cell phone number, which you posted on the refrigerator when Courtney was hired. They return home as soon as Courtney calls them. The Garcia's know that your unexplained tardiness means something is wrong. And because you prepared, they know they need to take care of your children until you or your spouse can be located. Because you and your spouse were so prepared, Patsy has a copy of the document you signed, giving her legal authority to care for your children temporarily in just this type of situation. With this in hand, she feels confident that your kids will not be taken into foster care when the police arrive. Together, Courtney and Patsy call the police. The police are relieved to learn that the Garcias have documented legal authority to care for your children. Without such documentation, your children would most likely be taken into the custody of Child Protective Services and placed in a foster home until your spouse could be located. During traumatic times, children are always better off with familiar friends or family members rather than strangers, no matter how safe and capable they may be. Your forethought means that your children will remain with the people you know, love, and trust while the police track down your spouse and investigate your disappearance. The police call the local hospitals and discover you have died. They contact your spouse, but bad weather has delayed flights out of Paris for 48 hours. In the meantime, Patsy cares for your children. They are, of course, devastated and do not completely understand that you won't be coming home. But because they love and trust Patsy and Gus, they have an immediate support system. When your spouse arrives and takes your children home, they begin the process of grieving. Your spouse arranges for your funeral, calling on your friends for comfort. Your only living relative, your estranged brother, comes to the funeral with his wife. They sit alone, barely speak to your spouse, and leave without saying a word to your children. After the funeral, your spouse enlists the help of a child therapist and calls on parishioners and clergymen for support. Eventually, your family begins to heal.
When Sarah is seven and Carlos 14, your spouse begins dating again. You would have wanted this, but Carlos feels hurt and abandoned, as though your spouse is betraying your memory. Sarah, on the other hand, is slowly forgetting about you. She was barely four when you died, so she has few memories of you. Have you created a plan to make sure that you remain a presence in your children's lives, even after your death? So here, we're going to pretend that you did. So from the first time you felt Carlos kick inside your belly, you thought about life lessons you wanted to teach him, the values, insights, stories, and experiences you wanted to share with him when the time was right. You began to keep a mental file of what you wanted him to learn. And by the time Sarah was born, the mental file was bulging. The first time you spent a night away from Carlos and Sarah, you realized that all those life lessons were locked up in your mind and that if anything happened to you, Carlos and Sarah would never benefit from your mental file. Your concerns resurfaced when Carlos was nine. You were aware of how many of his beliefs, beliefs you did not necessarily want him to have, were shaped by his schoolmates, TV, and teachers. You knew that your chance to infuse his mind with life lessons was quickly passing. You convinced your spouse to spend a weekend discussing the life lessons you wanted your kids to learn. Together, you wrote several letters and recorded CDs to be given to your children at specified birthdays, graduations, engagements, and on other milestone days, like their wedding days and when they each became parents themselves. You knew that it was likely that you would be reading the letters with them on those special days. You felt peace knowing that they would hear these life lessons from you, even if you weren't alive. Though thinking about death is never pleasant, this weekend helped you and your spouse reach clarity on the values, insights, stories, and experiences you wanted to pass along, knowing that you had a plan for passing on these values. Both kids were growing so fast, and with a hectic day-to-day life, you realized how easily they could grow up without benefiting from all the important things locked in your head. Soon, they'll be too wrapped up with friends to listen to your insights into life. After that, you and your spouse were much more conscious of taking the time and creating the energy to share your values, insights, stories, and experiences at age-appropriate levels. As it turned out, you could not be at Sarah's wedding. But after her soon-to-be husband proposes, Sarah is given a letter from you about love and commitment. In the letter, you quote Khalil Gibran's touching poem on marriage. Sarah incorporates this poem into her vows. She feels your spirit at her ceremony. And although she has few memories of you, she's been hearing your voice and reading your letters throughout her life. She knows you and she feels your love. And when Carlos goes on his first date at the age of 14, your spouse gives him a letter from you. The letter speaks of the excitement of new romance and his responsibility to be an honest and thoughtful gentleman. Carlos begins to realize that you would have wanted your spouse to enjoy life with someone new and that he has been unfair. He finally recognizes that your spouse should be able to enjoy the same excitement without being blamed for betraying your memory. Then we talk again about your spouse because your family is doing as well as can be expected. The marketing firm that employs your spouse provided a year-long sabbatical after your death, and you fortunately had enough life insurance for your spouse to afford the time off. During that time, Sarah started afternoon kindergarten, and the family moved closer to the children's school. 
By the time your spouse goes back to work, both of your children are in school. And since your death, your spouse has been in constant drive mode, driving your kids to school, doctor's appointment, lessons, and all of the other activities the two of you wanted your children to participate in. Courtney still helps around the house, but your spouse has doubled the responsibility and is chronically exhausted. One day, while driving home from work with a friend in the car, your spouse falls asleep at the wheel. Awakened by a blaring horn and screeching tires, your spouse is alive for only a split second before running into a semi-truck. Your spouse's friend in the passenger seat also dies immediately. When your spouse fails to arrive to pick up your children, Patsy and Gus know what to do. They locate the documents, giving them the legal authority to serve as temporary guardians of your children, and they call the police. Everyone is shocked to learn that your spouse has died so soon after you. What will happen to the children? And so now the next choose your own adventure question is to, uh, is whether you named a permanent guardian or not. So again, we are going to say that you have named guardians for your kids. So you did consider what would happen if both you and your spouse had died. And in fact, your parents had been together when they died. Your father was an airplane pilot who also had a private pilot's license. And though he was an expert flyer, the single engine plane he was piloting could not handle the storm that arose unexpectedly when he and your mother were making the short flight from Los Angeles to Santa Barbara. Because you understood that it was all too possible for children to lose both of their parents, you insisted that you and your spouse complete the paperwork to name permanent guardians. And if you had had the guidance of a personal family lawyer when preparing your guardianship nomination, move on to the next page, versus whether you had not had the guidance of a personal family lawyer. So when you did work with a personal family lawyer, the whole experience of naming guardians for your kids was much easier than you had expected. You met with a personal family lawyer who not only prepared the legal documents for you, but also counseled you to decide who should raise your kids, which was important for you because you and your spouse were not entirely sure whom to choose. Other than your estranged brother, neither of you had any immediate family and neither of you were close to your extended families. You were at a loss when it came to making a decision. Your personal family lawyer helped you to determine what was important to you when deciding who would raise your children. You knew that you wanted your children raised by a married couple. You also knew that you wanted them raised in your own neighborhood. And additionally, because you and your spouse valued cultural experiences, you also wanted your children raised by guardians who valued world travel and ideally who spoke more than one language. You carefully considered couples who fit these criteria shared your spiritual values, and had similar parenting philosophies. Eventually, you decided on two couples that you both considered the most likely to raise your children in an environment similar to the one you would provide. Carl and Robin Couch and Patricia and Gustavo Garcia. The Couches, both teachers, are less affluent than the Garcias. They They certainly do not have enough money to send your children to a private school, much less to travel the world extensively. But they share your religion and your parenting philosophy. And in fact, you and your spouse had known Robin since college and always admired her values. Though you did not know Carl as well, you trusted that Robin would marry a man with similar convictions. And on the other hand, the Garcia children attend the same private school as your children, and they spend summer and Christmas vacations in South America. 
The whole family is trilingual. You and your spouse met Gus and Patsy years ago when you first moved into your neighborhood during college. They became more than neighbors. They became your best friends. You loved them both equally and you trusted them unconditionally with your children. Nevertheless, the values exercise you worked through with your personal family lawyer helped you determine that your religious values were most important to you. And because they share your religious values, you decided to make Robin and Carl your first choices as guardians. You figured that with proper planning, you could leave behind enough money to have your children sent to private school and earmark money for foreign travel. In case something ever happened to Carl and Robin, you listed the Garcias as your second choice. And sadly, something did happen to Robin. The friend was in your spouse's car. The passenger who also died immediately was Robin. And unless you had specified otherwise, Carl, a man you have only known a short time and who was only chosen as a guardian by virtue of your friendship with his deceased wife, would have been the guardian of your children. But fortunately, your personal family lawyer also helped you to see that because you had only known Carl a short time, and because you wanted a married couple to raise your children, you should craft your guardian nomination so that the couches would only take guardianship if they could act together. If they could not, you wanted your children to be raised by the next couple on your list, Patsy and Gus Garcia. Then your wishes became a bit confusing, but your personal family lawyer helped you to reach clarity. If Patsy and Gus could not serve together because something happened to one of them, or if they were divorced at the time of your death, you wanted Robin Couch to raise your children, even if she divorced or was widowed, but only if she lived in California. And if she did not live in California, your next choices were Anne and Michael Cohen, whom you knew would never leave California. And that guardian nomination read something like this. If a guardian of the person is required for any minor child of mine, I nominate Robin and Carl Couch jointly, so long as they are married and living together to serve as guardians. If the above nominated guardians are unwilling or unable to serve or continue as guardians of the person of my minor children, then I nominate the following individuals to serve as guardians listed in the preferred order and not serving jointly unless so specifically noted. Patricia and Gustavo Garcia, serving jointly, so long as they are married and living in the state of California. Then, Robin Couch, serving alone, so long as she is living in the state of California. Then, Anne and Michael Cohen, serving jointly, so long as they are married and living in the state of California. Then, Patricia Garcia or Gustavo Garcia, living alone, or serving alone, as long as they are living in the state of California. Then, Robin Couch serving alone. Then, Patricia Garcia serving alone. Then, Gustavo Garcia serving alone. Then, Michael Cohen serving alone. And then, Anne Cohen serving alone. And also, when you had mentioned that you never wanted your brother to take guardianship of your children under any circumstances, your personal family lawyer prepared a confidential document to include in your plan that would stop your brother from assuming guardianship of your children. The document would only be revealed if your brother and his wife tried to take custody of your kids. It stated that in your opinion, your brother's wife is emotionally and verbally abusive to her own children. Your brother neglects his family, working 16 hour days so that he can ignore the situation at home as his family spirals out of control. 
The confidential document clarified that no matter how much they indicated that they had changed their lives, your brother and his wife were not to be named guardians of your children under any circumstances. At the time of your spouse's car accident, your children are in the care of the Garcias, who call your personal family lawyer. Your lawyer immediately locates your guardianship paperwork, designating Robin and Carl Couch as your first choice of guardians. Because Robin has died, your attorney arranges for your next choices, the Garcias, to assume permanent guardianship of Carlos and Sarah. And in the meantime, your brother learns of your spouse's death. And upon learning that your first choices, the Couches, are unable to serve, your brother and sister-in-law decide to challenge the Garcias' guardianship. On paper, your brother and his family are picture-perfect. Your brother earns a large salary as the area's leading oncologist. They have a lovely home in a fantastic neighborhood. Your sister-in-law is a homemaker, an active member of the PTA, and a charming socialite who serves on the boards of several nonprofit organizations and volunteers much of her time to charity work. The couple appears to value education, and their children attend only the best schools. In the absence of any instruction from you and your spouse to the contrary, the court would no doubt have given serious consideration to granting your brother and sister-in-law guardianship. After all, the couple seems picture-perfect, and the court would have no way to know about your sister-in-law's constant screaming or your brother's 16-hour workdays. The court would not know that their own children's self-esteem has been so trampled by their parents' poor parenting skills and negative home environment that the children have started to act out, choose the wrong friends, and make dangerous choices. The court would not know, for instance, that it would be sending Carlos and Sarah to live in a home where the older children have already started to experiment with drugs and sexuality. But luckily, with the guidance of your personal family lawyer, you thought ahead. And when your personal family lawyer produces the confidential document excluding your brother and his wife, they immediately withdraw their petition for guardianship. They are hurt, ashamed, and angry, but they have no choice to withdraw their petition for guardianship or suffer the embarrassment when your attorney and the courts are forced to expose the reasons for their exclusion. Your children are protected, and in accordance with your wishes, the Garcias become legal guardians of Carlos and Sarah. Patsy and Gus make exemplary parents. Gus is a musician, and he teaches Sarah to play the guitar. He knows she wants to be a singer. He also notices Carlos's artistic gifts and enrolls your son in a weekend class for budding artists. Patsy and Gus do everything you imagine they would. Because your personal family lawyer impressed upon you the importance of leaving behind letters and recorded messages for your kids... Patsy and Gus have no question as to how you would want your kids raised and the values, insights, stories, and experiences you want your children to have. They even raise them with the religious values that were so important to you. And when Sarah tells the Garcias that she wants to pursue her medical interests or her musical interests instead of attending a university, they smile and congratulate her because they know from your letters exactly how you wanted them to handle this situation. Not many people know what they want to do at such a young age, Patsy says. I know of a great community college you can attend part-time. It has a phenomenal music department. You can take general education courses and a few music courses while still having time for music gigs, Gus says. Can I set up an interview? And Carlos, with the support of Patsy and Gus, Carlos's church, your church, introduces him to several world aid organizations. 
He's able to fight injustice by volunteering his time and efforts to developing company or countries. In short, Carlos and Sarah become the people you would have been proud to call your children. The last thing they do before going to bed each night is listen to the CD you recorded years before when you met your personal family lawyer to plan your life and your legacy. Sarah and Carlos heard you and your spouse talk about the life lessons you hope to pass on and the love you felt for them. Despite their despair at losing you, your children feel infinite peace and know that everything will work out as it was supposed to, and they feel the loving embrace of an energy greater than themselves. So congratulations in that series of choices. Your choice to plan for your life and your legacy has that lasting impact of increasing your family wealth for generations to come. You have left the world a better place with these decisions. So this book is available online. You can go register for a free copy courtesy of me, yours truly. You can go to bit.ly forward slash E-L-W-C-U book. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash E-L-W-C-U book. Again, the book is called Wear Clean Underwear. It's a fast, fun, friendly, and essential guide to legal planning for busy parents. And as you can, you've heard me as I'm reading through it, it's a fun, choose-your-own-adventure style book and a really quick read. So I encourage you to head over and pick up a digital copy of this book. It is also available on Amazon. And I appreciate you listening in. If this is something that you find um, you want to learn a little bit more about, you can get started first naming guardians for your kids by heading over to eastonlaw.kidsprotectionplan.com and take that first step in naming guardians for your children outside of your will. And then again, you can get this book by going to bit.ly forward slash E-L-W-C-U book. And this has been another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. And I'm your host, Becky Easton. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. We will talk to you tomorrow.